0: had to wake you up from that moment. It just got super deep. Listen, we're talking about freedom from idolatry. Here's the deal. As a reminder, every Thursday, this is the college group of Summit. But as a reminder, the crux is uh, that we exist to lead people to new heights through mobilizing young revivalists. And so everything that we do is geared around mobilizing people for revival. What is revival? It is an extraordinary move of God. And, and, it is, and how, what is a revivalist? It's people who release the life of God everywhere they go. And so everything that we do, we're always saying, God, how can we, how can we shape a generation? to be revivalists how can we shape a generation to to affect society around them whether it's their classroom whether it's their grocery store or their family members etc how can we shape a generation that that would be mobilized into bringing life the life of god everywhere they go Are, are you with me on this Come on you guys are already looking like you're like not so sure about tonight. Uh, you know like yeah, this is the deal. Like this is why we're doing this. I'm saying this up front because I want you to know. Like this is our goal every single Thursday is to mobilize young revivalists and to lead you into new heights. Like this church is called Summit Church and summit literally means the very top of the mountain, the apex, the highest point. And as as you notice that we are not called mediocre church. You know what I'm saying? We're not called mediocre Christian church because mediocre means Halfway up the mountain and it's the kind of thing that just settles for anything that comes my way Oh, that's good. That's good enough. I, I feel good. So I must be good We're not settling for just halfway you didn't come to church just to get a halfway christianity You didn't come to church to just get eh, half of the gospel and and half freedom and and walk away with chains on your feet But my hands are free, but i'm walking with the ball on a chain You know, what I'm saying you didn't you didn't come to church for halfway freedom Come on. Are you alive tonight? <laughs> You came for the summit to go all the way to the top. This is why our mission statement at summit is to lead people to new heights and to not be satisfied to make a tent halfway up the mountain and say, well, I saw God from a distance and that's good enough for me. Like, forget that. I want every single thing that God has for me. And I think that's you tonight because you're here and you're, there's, a, there's a hunger in your hearts. And so, so we're talking about freedom from idolatry. And when we talk about freedom from idols, I mean, I'm telling you. Idols are the things that many times are that's holding all of us back from true freedom in Christ. It's, it, when we talk about freedom, idols are what many times holds us back from full freedom that Jesus paid to bring us. Jesus it says it is actually for freedom that Christ has set us free. That means the purpose that he set you free is so that you could be free. I know that sounds simple, but what I'm trying to ask you tonight is this. Is your life experiencing Freedom come on, come on, like like outside of like, you know, oh, I had good emotions during worship. I, I, you know, I felt good when they sang that one part. I felt good when, when, you know, so-and-so laid hands on me. I got a warm tingly, so I must feel good. I'm going to be good for the rest of the day. Like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about from your day-to-day life. Are you actually feeling free? Do you actually feel free when you live your life? Because that, freedom is actually what jesus paid to give you so that you could actually live entirely free life it is actually for freedom for the purpose of freedom that christ has come to set you free and so this is the deal when we talk about idolatry it is a topic that you cannot get very far in the bible without running into it i don't know if you guys have done like the year bible it should be halfway you know a little bit more than halfway through the year right now if you did the year bible you know what i'm saying Or, you know, you might get caught up in Leviticus and be like, oh, can we skip the genealogies and chronicles, please? You know, but listen, listen, you cannot get very far in the Bible without finding this thing called idolatry. It is everywhere. I mean, like Israel had major idolatry issues. And you read through the book of Judges and they're like, and Israel began to serve other gods. And then the Midianites took them out and then they cried out for God to save them and he saved them. A few years later, they started serving other gods and they started doing idolatry and the Midianites took them out and killed all of them. And there was a few left and they cried out to God and said, God, please save me. And they sent a judge to come and say, I mean, it's like repeated over and over. The whole book of judges is like full of full of this stuff. And then you go to the books of Kings, first and second Kings. It's like, oh my gosh, good king, bad king, good king, bad king. And all these people are like, one worship God, one worship, the, the, you know, Baal or Molech or whoever all these gods are. And when they would do that, I'm sorry. I need some water. Someone give me some water. Thanks, man. When they would do that, man, they would they they would just utterly destroy. Is this yours, dude? Is this someone's random under the? Oh, okay. It's like, is that yours? No, I just found it under. It's been sitting there since last Sunday. All right. Here. <laughs> So you look through scripture, you see the book of Judges, man, these dudes are falling into idolatry left and right. You look through the books of first Kings, second Kings, these guys are, it's everywhere. And then the new Testament begins to speak about it as well. I, I just want to set this all up for you just to show you like, this is a big deal. And so in the new Testament, it says this in first John five, I'm just going to kind of bullet through a few verses and we'll ask some questions. It says, dear children, first John 5, 21, he says, dear children, he ends, this is the very last statement of his letter. Hey, thank you very much. He says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And then you and then you go to another letter, 1 Corinthians 10 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Colossians 3 5. You just take these notes down. Just know this is this is so all over the place in Scripture. I want you to see how important this is to God. It says, Colossians 3:5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust evil desires and greed. And then he tells you what that stuff really is, which is what? Come on. Come on. You mean, wait, wait, wait. So you're saying like like, sexual morality, isn't just a wrong thing. It's actually idolatry. Whoa. And Ephesians five, five for of this, you can be sure no immoral, impure or greedy person. And then he clarifies such man is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Come on, I know this isn't a shouting message. I get it. Just stay with me. Okay, here we go. Go back to the Old Testament in Psalm 24. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4. He says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Verse 4. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. We always forget this part. Who does not lift up his soul to a what? An idol or swear by what is false. And then you see back in the New Testament, the Thessalonians... They actually got rescued from idolatry. First Thessalonians 1, 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what matter of entry we had to you. And he says is How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Like in other words, the idols are dead and false. He said you, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And so we have to. I'm gonna, this is what I want to do. I want to ask some questions tonight. I want to, we're going we're gonna to ask questions about idolatry, and then we're going to ask some questions, kind of some introspective questions to see, like, where we're at with this thing. But the first question I want to ask is just really to clarify, what is idolatry? Like, what is this thing? Because I just said it's all over the Bible. It's very, it's a huge subject in Scripture. But what exactly is idolatry? The dictionary actually says that idolatry is, number one, the first definition is the religious worship of idols. Hey, can, can you open this for me, dude? That's hard, dude. I feel like a Tyrannosaurus Rex right now. I can't (laughs) really. You guys see the new Jurassic World? Okay, I just want to throw that out. It's such a good movie, but it's not my idol, okay? Dictionary says, the first one is the religious worship of idols. The second definition is excessive or blind adoration, reverence, or devotion. So, if idolatry is the worship of idols, then it follows suit. What's the next question? What is an idol? And I love this. I was reading this article uh, with John Piper, and this is what he says. John Piper describes an idol, and he says, It is the thing loved or the person loved more than God, the thing wanted more than God, desired more than God, treasured more than God, and enjoyed more than God. It's about to get real. I I just want to read that again. Okay, so so let's say this. Like, idolatry is the worship of idols— and so then we have to ask the question, what is an idol? And I love how, how Pastor John Piper says it. He says, it is the thing loved or the person loved more than God, wanted more than God, desired more than God, treasured more than God, and enjoyed more than God. This is idolatry. And, and so if I, would, if I would sum it up in two various ways, I would say that idolatry or, or an idol is someone or something that you love more than God. If I just put it in a one, one sentence, it's someone or something that you love more than God. Let me take it even a, a step further. An idol is someone or something that takes the place of God in your life. Yeah. It's quiet up in this Presbyterian church right now. Someone or something that takes the place of God in your life. The place designed for God in your life. I, I call it the God spot. It's the thing that takes the place of the God spot in your heart. And when we engage in idolatry, we are allowing something else to occupy the God spot in our hearts. And we're saying, let's just break this down. Jesus is a savior, but many times we look to other things to actually be our savior. Holy Spirit is our comforter, but many other times we look for things to be our comforter. You with me on this? Come on, that's why they call it comfort food. I'm a little guilty of that for you know what I'm saying I'm just a little you know little father weight it's it's just happening I don't know what's I don't know what's happening to me. Oh. You're like I can't see it well I can't it's just weird. It's really weird. Anyway, takes the place of God. What's the god spot in your life? <laughs> Holy Spirit help me. It takes the god spot. If God is the comforter then if you run to anything other than God to get comfort, it might be an idol in your life you with me on this? It takes the God spot in your life. Any other thing, because this is the deal. There is a spot inside of your heart that's designed only for God. It can only be satisfied by the creator. And not by any created thing, only by the creator. And it can only be satisfied in the second that we put anything else in that spot in our lives, we become idolaters. And we see that God is vehemently against us, not only because it dishonors him, but because it actually ruins your entire life. It kills you from the inside out. Idolatry is it's, it's the most destructive thing. And so what is idolatry? It is uh, putting someone or something in the place of God. And so you look back in the Old Testament, the biblical examples, Israel gets set free from slavery in Egypt, and it's awesome, man. They like the signs and wonders, the ten plagues, they get set free, and they, they, you know, they cross the Red Sea on dry land. They go through. God starts feeding them with bread from heaven, and you know when they complain, he gave them a bunch of quail for meat. Like, it was just a wild, wild ride Like for these guys. I mean, talk about when you see a lot of miracles, you would hope that if you saw miracles that you would stay true to God. How many understand that that's not always the case? That like you can see a lot of miracles and and, and if their hearts don't surrender to the Lord in those moments, it's just like a ooh and a ah, but it's never going to be a submission and a surrender. And this is what happened to Israel. They saw the wonders of God, and God saved them from slavery. I mean, we don't—we're a little far removed from this because we—most we, of, of us in the room, maybe I don't know, whatever. I'm just going to assume here that we—none of us have been engaged in any kind of slavery in the in the past ten years of our lives. Are you with me on this? We don't understand the trauma and the turmoil that that put these guys through. They said their cry, their groan reached to God, and God heard them and sent a rescuer, and He rescued them from that. But here is the crazy, crazy part: Moses goes up on a mountain to talk to god and for 40 days he's getting laws and he's getting the 10 commandments and before the 40 days even finish the whole nation of israel is worshiping a golden calf that they made for themselves like what and they're actually praising this idol with words that describe what god did for them took the god spot and this is what it says we'll just read this exodus 32 when the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. <laughs> Talk about impatient. <laughs> come on, man. We can do this sometimes. We get impatient. Like, God, I want you to do your promises from my life. Get impatient, get impatient. Well, I don't know what happened to God's promises, so I'm gonna make it happen for myself. Come on, man. I, I've been I, <laughs> we've been doing ministry here for a long time, and we see this happen a lot, man. And and, and because of you know, let <laughs> I, I me mean, let me just say this, like. Because sometimes that we're looking around the room and we're going like, I need to get married, I need to get married so bad and then you go and find and compromise for, for somebody who's totally not for you and it's just totally and it's super destructive. But you're like so it's so much idolatry is in your heart. You're trying to fill this need and you're like, only this person can do it. They don't even love Jesus, but they're they're kinda good looking and you just satisfy it and you, and it's like it kills you. And you're putting them in the place that only God can satisfy. We, we've seen this happen all the time. And, it's, and I'm not saying it's a great thing. I'm just saying uh, this idolatry thing happens all the time. And this is what happened to Israel. They, they, it's crazy what they said. They said, come make us gods. And it's for this fellow. I don't know what happened to him. So let's do what we got to do to get my needs satisfied. Because I got to get mine. And Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. And so all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. Verse 4. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the, in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. God, look at this. Then they said, to him, they said, this is what he said. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. I know this sounds crazy. Like, I know this sounds crazy, but come on, let's, let's connect with these guys right here. And let's ask questions like, have I done that before? Have I had false saviors in my life? Have I trusted in a person other than Jesus to satisfy a need that only he can? Come on. There's a deep-seated need in every man to, to, to know that they have what it takes. And I believe that there's a deep-seated need in every woman to know that they're worth fighting for. But unless we get that need met by the person of Jesus... Will replace the Lord with a golden calf and say, This is my Savior. And it's self-made gods It's self-made images And this is what they did They ended up Worshiping other false gods All throughout the scripture they, Man, they, I don't know you read, read through Some of the Old Testament they, It's wild times, man I, It's not G-rated You know what I'm saying It is wild times they had, go, they had gods of everything They had gods of war They had gods of fertility They had, I mean They had gods of rain Sun, moon, stars Like whatever you think They had a god for that And Israel, for some reason Fell into worshiping them At any given, you know At various times Throughout scripture I mean they, they went so far that there was this God named Molech. And this God, the the way that he required worship is that you actually sacrifice children to this God. I mean, like, oh, my gosh, that's just back in the day. I, I really believe that that demon, I, I, it's, not, it's not a God, but it's a demon. I believe that God's alive today in the form of abortion. I Can I say that? I just I say that. I believe all, and it's not to put shame on anybody, but what I'm trying to tell you is that we're replacing stuff with, we're, we're trying to meet needs and we're trying to get all this stuff. And, and Israel, I mean, it may look kind of crazy when you look back in their day, we're like, well, I'm not worshiping like this calf thing. You know, I don't have this image. You know, I don't have this, you know, I don't have pictures of people and statues and things that I bow to and burn <laughs> incense to and do some hum da bum bum You know, like I don't do that. That's, that's fine. But what are we putting in the God spot? And so the second question we want to ask ourselves tonight is this. What does idolatry look like today? And Paul actually tells us. We read it already as, as we opened up. Paul actually tells us what idolatry looks like today. In Colossians 3, 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he tells us, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. What does idolatry look like today? Because I am not bowing down before this statute. When we engage in these things, we're actually engaging in idolatry. In that same article, John Piper goes on to say that it could be a girlfriend. It could be good grades. It could be the approval of other people. It could be success in business. It could be sexual stimulation. It could be a hobby or a musical group that you are following or a sport. And then he says, or... It could be your own looks. It could be anything. Anything you put in the God spot. It could be money. Jesus, Remember Jesus said this? He said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And in the Greek, it's literally mammon, which is a demon spirit that's behind the love of money. And he says, you'll either hate one or love the other or serve one and despise the other. You can't do it. It's just impossible. You cannot put something else in the God spot and they expect you to have pure worship going up to God. Is this intense or what? It's on fleek. It is on fleek. Thank you, Bobby. It is on fleek. I'll take a drink break for that. Okay. It could be money. It could whoa, 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 whoa. It could be church. You could put serving God before a relationship with God. It could be a church leader. It could be the government It could be your job it could be your degree anything that you put in the god spot is idolatry and it's crazy because it's not like like paul says like sexual morality you know evil desires greed like i think we generally know that those are wrong things but like when you talk about things that are like really good things and we say like wait 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 that's not idolatry because it's a good thing well if you put it before jesus it is it's idolatry are you with me on this Come on, come on, you know, it's like the idea of saying, like, hey, you know, like, if you're over 21, you're like, I got to go home, and I'm going to just drink a few brewskis, have a glass of wine, because I just need to calm myself. Well, question, what are you getting from that that you couldn't get from Jesus first? It could be an idol in your life. Like, oh, you're just, you're just picking on it. No, like, seriously, what do you run to when you have issues? Facebook? Netflix? Are you with me on this? It's idolatry and it kills us, man. We have to get after this stuff and destroy this thing, you know. Like, like it, it's trying to find satisfaction from something that does not have the ability to give it. it. Check this out. It could actually be your dreams. It could actually be the dreams that God himself put inside of your heart. That could be idolatry. It could be your destiny. Like, what are you talking about? God told me that. Yeah, but if you want that more than you want him, it's an idol. Like, for reals. Like, I was challenged with this recently. like, Like, I was realizing that I was putting my hope in the wrong source for my dreams to come to pass. And I realized, oh my gosh, I am not putting my hope in God. And I had to repent because the other things... They're going to disappoint me every single time because they're not God. And I I was, like, pushing. I was, like, disappointed with things. I was disappointed with stuff. And then I go, like, oh, my gosh, I'm not hoping in God. (laughs) Of course it's going to be destructive because it's idolatry. And I had to literally repent last week and get on my knees and say, Father, I realize I am not putting my hope in you for my dreams and my destiny. I'm actually putting my hope in all this other junk. And you know what happened? Peace came because I'm trusting in God now. Instead of a person who's like this. Like, you know what I'm saying? A person of circumstance, all that stuff. It's a roller coaster. People are people and we fail, but God doesn't. Are you with me on this? I'm telling you this because I, I want you to be so free that you could literally sing the words, give me Jesus. You can have all. You can have the whole world. Just give me Jesus. I want you to be able to really say that for reals, you know. That's true freedom. It's true freedom because then you're not entangled by anything of the world. And you can really join with Paul and say, for me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. No matter what, I get more of him and I'm good with that. Come on, you have to really ask yourself this question, like, is this the cry of our hearts? Does Jesus have your entire heart? Like Jesus, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well about, about worship. And he said, listen, the time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. And he says, for this is the kind of worshipers the father is seeking. Notice, he did not say he's seeking worship, but he said he's seeking worshipers. Did you catch that? He's not looking just for the acts of worship. He's looking for a heart that's com- committed and fully surrendered to him. Because if not, we might fall under the sentence of the Pharisees where he said, Isaiah prophesied about you that you guys honor me with your lips, but your hearts, they're far from me. You with me on this? It's possible to be a really good worshiper without actually being a worshiper. Did you get what I mean by that? It's, It's possible to be really good at doing acts of worship without actually being a worshiper yourself. This is even crazier because this is our revivalist culture, right? It's possible that you can be really good at prophesying and healing the sick and and doing signs and wonders, but still not be a fully committed follower of Jesus. It's possible. And it's possible that you can be 100% committed to going to church every Sunday and reading the Bible and and even singing and praying and doing that consistently and still not have your heart surrendered to the Lord. Is that crazy or what? Because God is not looking for acts of worship. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for people whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Are you with me on this? Just smile at me and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. The, the thing about idolatry is that we're putting God-sized demands on something that's not God. And that's the crazy part. This happens in relationships all the time. And it, you could say it in marriages or even just boyfriend-girlfriend stuff or even friendships that you're actually expecting the other person to be God. And you're putting God-sized expectations on a mere human being. And when they disappoint you, you your whole life falls apart. Yeah. Like, you did not do it exactly how I wanted you to do it. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to fulfill that need for you very well. <laughs> you with me on this? Like, it's, it's putting God-sized demands on something that's not God. And every time we do that. It's going to hurt our hearts. I want, I, want, I want us to listen to what Isaiah says about the futility of idolatry. And I'm going to read for a little bit. There's a, a bunch of verses. But Isaiah, I mean, I was reading this today. It was, just, it was on my heart. And Isaiah 44, beginning in verse 9. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a God and casts an idol which can profit him nothing? He and his kind will be put to shame. Craftsmen are nothing but men. Let them all come together and take their stands. They will be brought down to terror and infamy. Verse 12, the blacksmith takes a tool and works with it in the coals. He shapes an idol with the hammers. He forges it with the might of his arm. He gets hungry and loses his strength. He drinks no water and grows faint. He gives so much devotion to making this thing. Verse 13, the carpenter measures with the line and makes an outline with the marker. He roughs it out with with chisels and marks it with compasses. He shapes it in the form of man, of man in all his glory that it may dwell in a shrine. He cuts down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine and the rain made it grow. Verse 15, it is man's fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Eh, but he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. He also warms himself and says, ah, I am warm. I see the fire. And check this out, verse 17. From the rest, he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, save me. You are my god. Verse 18, they know nothing, they understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see and their minds closed so they cannot understand. No one stops to think. No one has knowledge or understanding to say, half of it I used for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals. I roasted meat and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? Verse 20. He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, Is not this thing in my right hand a lie? Idolatry is a destructive lifestyle. And look at, what he's saying he's saying they don't know things their eyes are plastered over they can't even see their minds are so closed that they don't even understand they didn't even stop to think wait a second like with half of this thing i did one thing and the other thing i'm turning into a god like i wait 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 a second he didn't even have enough to think is not this right thing in my right hand a lie is not this thing that i've been putting my hope in a a lie what am i doing and idolatry, spiritually, it's both spiritually and emotionally, it blinds us. And we don't even realize what's going on. And so, what does idolatry look like today? We've got to ask ourselves some questions in order to identify idols in our lives. Here, here's a few questions. I'm going to throw them to you, and I want to encourage you to think about and, and be introspective here. What do I run to for comfort? What do I run to for comfort? what do I do to feel better? Ask ourselves these questions. What do I do to feel better? Here's another question. What do I worry about most? God, what do I, what do I worry about most? Here's another question to ask. What makes me feel the most self-worth What what makes me feel the most self-worth Like what do I get value from the most How do I explain myself To other people Like meaning this How do you introduce yourself to people Do you have to tell them Oh I'm such and such And I am this 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 and this Because you're trying to prove something It might be that your identity Is based on the wrong thing And it's an idol Here's a question. What do I make the most sacrifices for? What do I make the most sacrifices for? Here's another. This one might be crazy right here. What has caused me to be angry at God? What prayer unanswered would make me seriously think about turning away from God Come on what 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 things what would cause me to be angry at God Or if there was a prayer that's unanswered what would make me seriously think about turning away from God like if I've been praying this and praying this and praying this and he doesn't answer that I'm going to I'm going to turn from him And the answer to these questions could identify an idol that's in your life. And here's, here's, here's my thought process on this. Maybe the trials that you're going through aren't just because the devil's like having a heyday in your life. Like I'm gonna submit to you, maybe the trials that you're going to or going through are because you have a false God that you're worshiping in your life when you submit yourself to a false god you get the destruction that they bring you with me on this like maybe it's not like let's blame the devil for everything and maybe it's take responsibility for who you're worshiping man this is a heavy message but what if we took responsibility for what we're actually giving our full devotion to and maybe it wasn't, maybe it's not that our whole life's falling apart and the devil's ruining everything and it's all because everybody else is doing something wrong and it's all everyone else's fault, but I'm okay because God loves me. Well, maybe it's God does love you and he wants you to get rid of all the idols in your heart so that he can have first place and you can experience the fullness of what his love is like. And maybe we're coming underneath a false idol, a wrong God, and we're getting the influence of it. I, I don't like to use this. Uh, analogy anymore or this example anymore only because I feel like I've overused it but we're just going to do it anyway with the lion king we're going to go back to lion king here and if you notice that when Mufasa was reigning over the pride lands it was full of light it was full of life and happiness and joy and the circle of life you know what I'm talking about but remember when Mufasa told Simba like do not go over there what's that dark place over there like don't go to the shadowlands, right?" Because there was a different king over there, and the different king influenced the entire realm that they were living under. So if you wanted to come into the Shadowlands, you were under Uncle Scar and the crazy weird whacked out hyenas you know ed and you know that's the only one i remember (laughs) ed you know and and it's like these weird things and they're just like it thorns everywhere and weird stuff is going on it's like "Eh, mufasa (laughs) you know the whole thing it's just nasty right it's just a nasty place to be in right but the reason why it was dark and unsafe and full of fear and full of just just nastiness is because the person who was ruling over it And when you submitted yourself underneath the lordship of Uncle Scar, that's the kind of atmosphere you lived in. But when you submitted yourself under the lordship of Mufasa, you got the circle of life. Are you with me on this? And I want you to, I want, I'm I'm telling you this because I believe this is so important. I wouldn't have preached this message. I actually had another message prepared. I I have other things that I wanted to talk about, but the Lord wanted to talk about this tonight. And I felt like the Lord was just like, yeah, we need to talk about freedom from idolatry. And I want you to know that you, you, you're, the environment that, it's around, that you experience, let's say it like this, the environment that you experience is in direct connection to the Lord that you submit to. The environment that you experience is in direct connection to the Lord that you submit to. And everyone wants a king like Jesus. He's full of life, and the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Like, I am not experiencing that. Well, let's clean the house, and let's kick out some idols. Because when we worship them, we get what they give us. And it's only destruction. But when we worship the true Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, we get what He came to bring us, which is abundant life. It's the way it is. And so we ask ourselves these questions. How do I explain myself to other people? What makes me feel the most self-worth? What do I make the biggest sacrifices for? What has caused me to be angry at God? And what prayer unanswered would make me seriously think about turning away from God? The answer to those questions could be potential idols that are living in your life today. And so here's the last question I want to ask. So number three is this. How do I deal with idolatry in my life? And I think it, we should ask some more questions. I think we should ask questions like, what do I really need? And what am I really looking for? Like outside, like here's the deal. Like, like for example, let's say in a relationship, when 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 people are having sex outside of marriage, it, it is a it is a huge selfish thing. Like like it's like. Uh, it, it's, it's all about satisfying me and not giving And lust is always taking But love is always giving And so it's a super, super selfish thing Because it's not really about Well, I love her, so I gotta give her something You know, it's like, no, it's not, dude it, Like, in reality, you're just being selfish And you want to get a quick fix You know what I'm saying? That's just the reality of it And you may have love attached to it But it's like so defiled with lust and there It's just wrong And the thing is, is that when you do that You're saying, I want to gratify this need inside of me But we go like, oh, that's just perverted That's just wrong You're just messed up or whatever But underneath that what do you really need? And what what are you really looking for? It could be things like, I need comfort. But let me let me just let me throw this out to you, and, and this may this may be a surprise to some of the guys here tonight, but sex is not as satisfying to the female as it is to the male, physically. Girls, I am I'm, I'm just saying this. I always I got like I just felt like a second layer of awkwardness just fall in the room right now. Guys, guys think that like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to satisfy my girl. I got, I got these things. they like, they don't care about anything physical that you do. What they care about is the emotional connection. And they don't care about it. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like, oh, physical thing, like uh, 1%. Emotional connection bond that I'm being close to you, 99%. Ladies, uh, oh, you don't have to say anything. That's fine. Here's the deal. Why am I saying this? Why, why am I telling you this? Because, because sometimes we're like, we think, we think that we're doing all this stuff. It's like, no, no, no. They actually just wanted to feel comforted. A lot of times when, people, when, when women are being promiscuous, it's because there's this deep-seated need for emotional connection and comfort, and I need to feel loved, I need to feel fought for, and they're giving themselves away because he said, he told me he loved me, and so if I give him this, then I'll, I'll continue to feel loved. But if I don't give him this, he doesn't love me, so I have to keep giving myself away in order to feel this thing called love that I am so desperately in need of. And it's not just like sin. oh, that's wrong. You need, to knock, you, need to, you need to knock it off. No, no, no. You need to ask the question, what do you really need? And what are you really wanting? What, do you, what are you really after? And you have to go like, oh, wait a second. I actually needed this sense of comfort. I really just needed this sense to know that someone's actually going to be there for me. And that's the only way that I can get this fool to stay close to me for a half an hour just to sit there and talk with me is if I have sex with him and then lay with him for a little while and then I feel comforted for a few moments and it's not necessarily like oh you're just a bad person it's I need comfort and I have an idol and it's killing me and it's a cycle are you with me on this? man I feel like we just went to like level 16 of awkward like I, I, I don't know what's happening in the room today it's just exciting it's just great Well, like, what if what if there's a deep seated need for approval? Like, I have to get my degree by such and such a time. I have to do this. I have to be successful. I have to do this business plan. I have to do this thing. For what? I'm not saying any. You know, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying a degree is bad. I'm not saying school is bad. I'm not saying. But do you really need it that bad, or 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 is it trying to satisfy a need that only God can? You, you follow me on this? Or power. You know, we, we, we have this deep-seated need to feel like we need to be in control. Like, no, 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 surrender. Like, I need this dream. I need this dream to be satisfied so that I can actually be somebody. And then, and then people will really respect me. And my dad will really, he'll really respect me. He'll really say, good job, son. I'm waiting for that one. And it's not necessarily like Paul's, you know, he's saying sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, greed, that is idolatry. But let's go to the deeper level of idolatry. What are you really after? And the next question you ask after that is, does Jesus really satisfy that need? Can, can, can Jesus actually do that? Can Jesus actually heal the need that I've been really searching I mean, come on, there's, there's things like, I was joking about it, but it's for real comfort food. We do that, you know, in Netflix, and we run to Facebook, and we run to different things. And I'm not saying eating food is wrong, obviously. I'm not saying, some of these things are great things, but if they take the God spot, we, we, we just, we, we're, it's craziness. And it's crazy because sometimes we just attack the surface level, and we go like, oh, I just, we can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And then we just take the sinful habit, turn it into another habit, and it's still idolatry. It's like, well, I'm not having sex with my girlfriend anymore, but, you know, I'm just super indulgent video games. You you get what I'm saying? Like, and and guess what? In God's eyes, it's still idolatry, and it's still killing you. Like, I want you to see that that, uh, letting go of this stuff is not just about, well, I can't do bad things anymore, and I have to do good things. It's like, it's not about that. It's about who's the prize of your life. And, and and God is asking these questions for us. And so we, we have to ask the question, okay, like, what do I really need? What am I really looking for? And can Jesus really satisfy that? And the obvious answer, you know what it is, but I want, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I, I want you to ask the Lord these questions. <laughs> and then you get passionate about destroying idols in your life. I, I, I can tell you countless times where the Lord has just, like, put his finger on something and say, can I have that? No, Lord. <laughs> oh, and then if I, if I get mad at him, it's like, okay, I'm trying to help you, son. I can remember relationship. That, like, God's like, uh, is it, this is kind of crazy. I went to a Bible study, and I was dealing with this thing, and I felt like God already told me to let go of this relationship. I went to the Bible study, and the Bible study just happened to be on Genesis 22, Abraham offering Isaac. That's a sacrifice to the Lord. And if you read the story, Isaac is the key to Abraham's destiny. And God says, I want you to get rid of him, please. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Call you be like, wait, wait, wait. wait! Remember your promise, Lord. You said through Isaac, my offspring will multiply will be a great nation. And bless me and I'll be a blessing. It's going to be amazing, right? No, no, I want that. Can I have that? And this is the Bible study that I walked in on. Like, God's already telling me. I think I, I think you should, yeah, you should be getting rid of that. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm good. I'm good, Lord. I can manage my life. You know what I'm saying? And then I walk in the Bible study. Literally, I walked in late too, and all I didn't. I missed the worship part. I missed the whole thing. I walked in. All right. So today we're talking about Genesis 22, how Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice to the Lord. Oh Jesus! I didn't. Even, I didn't even have to finish the Bible study. I already knew what he was telling me. I'm like, oh. And I'm like. I almost didn't want to say, is this, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? I almost didn't want to do it because it was like giving me false satisfaction, but I thought it was working for me. And then, and then I finally was like, all right, so, so that next day I got the word and that next day I grabbed all this stuff, everything that related to the relationship, notebook, all this stuff, I threw it all in the trash. And I, and I, and, and not only that, I went to emails, like I went to every single trace that I could find about that connected me to this relationship that the Lord said I want that. And I and I literally deleted them. I got rid of everything. And you have to get passionate about destroying idols in your life. You can't just you know it's like it's like a it, the prophet samuel told the king saul he said listen when you go fe- uh, go defeat and fight these amalekites i want you to literally obliterate them i want you to destroy everything i want you to destroy men women children i know it's fierce and crazy he said men women children and even the cattle. i want you to kill everything and he's like all right I'll, I'll do it and then he goes and guess what happens he saves a few things Hey, that looks nice and you know what he said like like the prophet samuel's like hey um why do i hear the sound of cattle in my ear what is going on i, I do you hear what i hear you know like <laughs> a sound a sound no I, you know he's like why do i hear this and and so i was like oh actually i saw this cattle and i thought it would make a great sacrifice to the lord and he's like hey listen um I told you not to do that and you did it. Um, and then he says this crazy phrase. I know, I'm, this is crazy. You don't hear me preach like this all the time. But he, he, he said this crazy phrase. He said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And he rebukes him hard. He takes the kingdom away from him. Ah, this is crazy. This is the Bible, man. I'm like, you got to get fierce about getting rid of stuff. But like, I got rid of everything. Except for a couple of love notes. Come on, somebody just in case I needed a little pick-me-up. What do you really need? Oh, you need to feel that you're loved. Okay. Can Jesus do that? Yeah. And so how do we deal with it? We, we get passionate about destroying them, and then we repent, and we put Christ back in that position in our life. We put God back in the God spot. And I prayed this earlier, about. I'm going to read it again. Psalm 145, 16. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. And so Galatians said, we open this tonight. He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So how? How did he set us free? I believe one way that, for freedom that, one way that he set us free is that he made himself available. Outside of Christ, you were completely separated from the only one that could satisfy your deepest needs. And when he died on the cross, he made himself available for you to drink deeply until you had more than enough. He set us free from being shut out of his ever satisfying presence. He set us free. The cross has made a way for us to be satisfied by the only one who can satisfy. That's what he did. He made himself available to us. And so man when i think of this uh worship team you guys can come up we're gonna close when i think of this i think of stories like in the old testament king josiah he got he got taken over or he he uh he took over as king in israel and somehow the bible in their day actually got lost and they didn't have a bible anywhere King Josiah and his priests found the book of the law. They find the Bible, and, 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 the, and uh, King Josiah's like, hey, can you read that to me? And so they start reading the scripture, and he starts reading it, and, he, and then King Josiah goes, oh, snap. Like, we have, been, we have been worshiping false gods, and we have been messing up. The wrath of God is about to fall on us, like for real, kind of like that. The wrath of God is about to fall on us. And he and he repents. He tears his clothes and he does all this stuff. And the prophet comes and tells him, Listen, yes, you're right. Israel's been sinning and wrath of God's about to fall on you like crazy. But because you repented and turned your heart to the Lord, I'm gonna delay the wrath of God. And and this is and then he got passionate. He goes through the entire town of Israel and Samaria and this whole place, and he starts breaking things. He sees altars and he just starts bouldering things he grinds things to ashes and throws them and and just breaks down these poles breaks down these altars and all of this stuff he just destroys everything and, and and then all i'm trying to say is that you have to get like that towards what's an idol in your life he just destroys everything and it was a revival in the in the nation of israel it was a reformation in the nation of israel these people he went and destroyed all of this stuff you can see the same thing in acts 19 in Acts 19, these people heard about the greatness of the Lord, and these people who practiced sorcery and witchcraft and all this stuff, they heard about the greatness of the Lord, they heard the word, they believed in the gospel, and then all of a sudden they realized, I can't be having this stuff in my life and say that I'm a follower of Jesus. And it says that they took all their scrolls, all their books, all their things, and brought them out and had a big bonfire and burnt everything, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of, worth of things, and just let it all go. Idolatry. We have to be passionately against this thing because the the bottom line is this. It is dishonoring to God, but it's actually destructive for you. And God is the most satisfying person and he's actually so loving that he wants to be the first person in your life because he knows when he's actually the first thing you have the most freedom. Our deepest satisfaction comes from our deepest connection with the Lord Jesus. It's the way it is. And so what I like to do is let's just pray to the Lord tonight. I don't believe that the wrath of God is going to pour out on you if you, you know, don't repent with tears and weeping and ashes and sackcloth and ripping your clothes. I, I, I don't believe that. I believe that on the contrary, that Christ has actually set you free from the bondage of it. And it's just like Dom shared, I heard a little bit of it, that he unlocked the prison door and, and it's open and repenting from idolatry, he's just walking out instead of staying in there. But let's go a little bit deeper than just like, oh, I sinned and so I'm sorry, Lord. Let's go a little bit deeper. Let's ask, what do we really need? And are those needs getting met by the only one who can? Let's ask him. Thank you, Lord. So let's pray. Father, I thank you. God, I I thank you all over this room. They're, They're here tonight. Everyone, we're here tonight because we want more of you. And I know as I'm speaking, it's a heavy thing. But God, I thank you that it's a freeing thing. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us right now in the name of Jesus. As we ask ourselves questions, as we ask you questions, Holy Spirit. Just say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, are there any idols in my life? And if he says yes, all I want you to say is, Holy Spirit, you tell me what they are. going to go into a time of worship and singing and music and stuff, but this is your time to respond. This is your time to respond. I want you to hear this. The Lord is compassionate. He's slow to anger and He's rich in love. And He opens His hands and He satisfies the desires of every living thing. He's here for you tonight. If you need to make Him the Lord of your life, now is the time. like, I'm saved. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like letting go of some stuff. Tearing down the idols. Get passionate about tearing the things down. Some of us might even have to throw stuff away tonight. But as we go into this song, I want to encourage you. If you're going like, you know what? I just need to like lay some stuff down before the Lord. There's no shame in this tonight. There's absolutely no shame. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you're going like, dude, I, 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 got, I got stuff I need to lay down. I want to invite you to just come up here and just kneel before the Lord tonight. And as we go into this song, we're going we're gonna to lift our hands to God. We're going to surrender. We're going to hand him our hearts. But as we go into this, like, I want you to just be able to just come forward and just kneel before the Lord tonight. And there's absolutely no shame in this tonight. And so, Father, I thank you. I thank you for the freedom that's happening all over this room, God. I thank you for the repentance. We like the times of joy and shouting and shaking and trembling, but God, I thank you for these times because these times make the other times meaningful. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those, God, who are, who are letting go. I, I feel like even, this is probably all of us tonight, just letting go of some stuff. And so we just thank you for it tonight. As we continue, let's just invite you to come forward and kneel before the Lord.